Well, let me invite you to grab your Bible right away. Grab your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, this would be an amazing time for you to raise your hand and allow one of our ushers to bring you a Bible. This Bible that they'll bring you is a gift. It's yours to have and to keep. And as you're grabbing your Bible, turn to the Old Testament book of Psalm, specifically Psalm 128. That'll be a primary text for us today. If you're looking for the book of Psalm, you can find it in the table of contents at the front of your Bible. You'll find the list of names. It's in the Old Testament. You look for Psalms, and it'll give you a page number. Or you could probably turn about halfway in your Bible and look to your left just a little bit, and you'll come right into the Psalms, Psalm 128. We are going to continue a series that's going to take us through the remainder of the year, our series on worship, looking at what worthy ship is. Week one, Pastor Caleb brought a message talking about praise, celebration, adoration, and how we can adore God with an intentional posture of our, of our bodies, of how we can celebrate. Week two, Pastor Russell and Caden brought us a message on sacrifice, looking at the beggar outside the beautiful gate, looking for things that the world had to offer. And as Peter and John were on their way to worship, they knelt down and said, gold and silver, we don't have, but what we have, we give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And collectively they went together and they worshiped in the temple. An amazing gift of sacrifice. And then we looked at how we can worship God through service. How as we work, we work unto the Lord and that that's actually a spiritual act of worship. And it was combined with over uh, almost 700 hours, 694 hours, I believe, of community service where we were able to worship God through loving our community well. And then last week we looked at worship through giving how we are called to bring our gifts to the storehouse, as Malachi calls us to do. But we looked at the widow and her two mites. And the Bible says that she, she was inside the, the, the court of women and that she intentionally gave a gift that God had impressed upon her heart because she wanted to be engaged and wanted to be involved in worship. And so she gave to what the Bible describes in the New International Version as widow's mites. Well, today we're going to pick up our series and we're going to look at worship as a lifestyle. We've been looking at worship through different characteristics of how we express our worthyship to God. But we're going to look today at really the, the root of it and how worship begins, not here at the, 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 the bricks and mortar building, but it actually begins in our, in our heads and our hearts and at home. Back in June, I reached out to a friend of mine, Iki Soma. Many of you know Iki. He preaches here just about every year. We get away as a staff and as elders, as leadership, every September for a leadership retreat. And we're gone for three days. And it's a time where we fast and we pray, we worship and we celebrate, we have fun together, we engage in community, but we also learn the Word of God together as we celebrate what God has done the previous year and begin to prepare for where God has us in store in the coming year. And I reached out to Iki and I said, hey man, I'm looking for somebody this year that can come and just preach to our staff. I don't want to give the five powerful points of leadership or seven effective tools for communication or four ways to have the best ministry ever. I really feel like in light of the year that we've had, we've had a lot of great things going on, but it's been a difficult year in many ways as well. And I just get this overwhelming sense that God wants our staff and our elders to just sit together in the Word of God together and under the same teaching together. Do you have anybody that can preach the lights out of the building? Before we had finished our phone conversation, he'd already texted me the name of Pastor David Hill from Restoration Community Church in Houston's Third Ward, and he said, this guy. And so I got away a few weeks later. Stacy and I and our family took a two-week sabbatical where it was an intentional time of respite for me, but where I was also doing some long-term planning for our church, our staff, our leadership, our community, and what God has for us. And I called the number that, that Icky had given me. 
And I got a hold of Pastor David Hill, and we began to process probably 30 minutes the first phone conversation thereafter. And I invited him to come and to share with our staff and our leaders. And he said, what is it you, you want me to share? Is there a theme? Is there a topic? And I said, brother, if I'm being honest, we just need somebody to come and preach. And we just want to sit together collectively and see what the Lord has in store. And so with very little in terms of direction, the Lord began to stir in his heart. And September came around, and we got to pick up uh, Pastor David at the airport. One of our elders, John Hundall, picked him up and brought him to Dayton, Iowa. And the Lord did immeasurably more than we could have imagined. And I love that that's often the case in our lives. When we ask God to show up, he'll show up in radical ways and do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or ask for. At the end of the first night together, looking at this message of God doing this amazing work in our lives in order to allow us to do amazing work in our ministries, I've got to tell you, there are very few times in in my 25 years of ministry where I've been undone by a message like I was in September. Undone. And as I looked around and began to unpack the message with some of our staff and elders, I found quickly that I wasn't the only one. And so at the end of our time together, I was spending some time with my now friend, Pastor David, and I said, man, I would love for you to come out and be a part of my church and what God's doing there. And just, I'd love to have you share this message. I'm not sure how or where it would tie in or if it would even work in your schedule. And he said, I'd, I'd, I'd like to look at that and I'd, I'd love to consider that. Let me go talk to my wife. And so when we found out that this weekend would work, although it's Thanksgiving weekend, praise God, they were able to make it, him and his wife, Melissa. I was so excited that they, they chose to, to come out here and, and be a part of this. He, uh, he said, man, I, I really, I'd love to do that. I'd be honored. And I said, well, this is the series we're in. And we both collectively agreed that it makes all the sense in the world that God was orchestrating behind the scenes these things that, that I could not have imagined at the time. Because today what we're going to look at is that in order for us to be the best worshipers out here, it begins with what's going on in here. And so, Reach Church, would you help me welcome my friend, Pastor David Hill, to the stage. Thank you, brother. Right. Let me pray for you. Please. Father, thank you so much for Pastor David and for Melissa, for their family. Thank you for how you worked already at the 9 o'clock hour. God, we're grateful. Thank you that you're using my brother to be conduit. Thank you for his life and his ministry. We pray that you watch over his family and his ministry back at home. And Lord, I pray that as we get ready to jump now into the time of your, your word, that you would ready us, that you would open our eyes, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would meet us where we're at, Lord, move us where you want us to go. Father, ready us to have an encounter with you so that our lives would be changed and transformed forever. And I pray now for my brother that the words of his mouth and that the meditations of our hearts would be received as a gift, holy and pleasing to you, our rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, good morning. Good morning, Reach Church. It's so good to be here with you. My name is Pastor David Hill from Houston, Texas, as he mentioned, with Restoration Community Church. And we are glad to be here and glad to... uh, See some 30-degree weather. You know, we've, been, <laughs> we've been enjoying that. I was telling the, telling the church this morning, I came prepared, had my hat, gloves, and all that good stuff. You know, was leaving out, and then I, I saw some ladies out, and they had on shorts and, and uh, tank tops and vests. I was like, man, I'm tougher than that. I'm not putting that hat and glove on. So hopefully I don't catch pneumonia up here trying to be, trying to be a tough guy. But we've, uh, no, we, we really enjoyed it, and it's been a pleasure um, to get you to know your pastor and his wonderful family. And you guys have an amazing, amazing uh, church. Uh, and so give you a little bit more information on myself. Again, we're in Houston, Texas, and it's, uh, we're inside the loop. 
We're in an inner city urban context um, in an area called Third Ward, uh, in the Third Ward area, and that's a traditionally African-American community. And uh, we feel like God has called us to that, to that to bring the gospel to the issues that plague many urban communities. And I, in particular, am passionate about that. I'm passionate particularly about uh, the plight of African-Americans uh, and the struggles in, the, in this country and bringing the gospel as a solution to those. And so we have been able and blessed to, to, to minister in this context for almost 30 years. Um, we've traveled a little bit in Jackson and Mississippi, Chicago, Atlanta, Georgia, and God has back, had us back in Houston where we are now. And so we're excited for that work. And so some of what I want to share with you today has been based out of some of those experiences that we've had. Because in line with the series that you're in, I want to talk to you this morning about maintaining healthy worship at home. A healthy worship environment at home. And I want to start off by telling you this story. When I was working for a nonprofit before we planted the church in our neighborhood, we acquired a vacant lot. And so with this vacant lot, we knew we had some long-term plans, but we had to figure out something to do with it in the meantime. And so we took a vote on what to do. And immediately the uh, suggestion of a community garden. And I was like, why do we want to do a community garden? What do we want to do a garden for it? And so we took a vote, and everybody voted for the community garden except for me. I voted thumbs down on the community garden. I know. And so we, we set off to do this community garden. Somebody else is in charge of it. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have the food with it. Well, a couple of months go by, and the community garden's not going well. And the director comes to me and says, David, we need somebody to take over the community garden. Can, can anybody say amen? Did that ever happen to you? You know, a boss, I'm the one who said don't do it. And so they said, Dad, we need somebody to take over the community garden. So I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm going to jump. Anything I do, I'm going to try to give it my best. So I jump in, head over, feet into this thing, and I am changed forever. As I start studying and planting and working this garden, I come to find out that this is a very spiritual experience. There is a lot that I see happening with what I'm growing in comparison to what's happening in my life. And it began to change me, and it affected my worship experience with the Lord. Now, if you'd have told me this a few years ago, that I, as a, as a manly man, would be up preaching about gardening, I would have said, no way. But God is un just like he does in many, his ways are not our ways. He undid me. And I want to share some of that with you uh, because here's what I learned. I've got a couple of points that I just want to share with you. Here's a, and some of this, I recognize I'm in Nebraska. And some of y'all have been planting and growing longer than I've been alive. So I get that. But let me just show you some of what I've learned. Uh, and one of the first things I learned was you got to have some good soil. Because, you know, coming into this, I thought, man, it's brown, it's dirt. The weeds are growing out of it. The trees are growing out of it. If I drop some seeds in there, that'll grow out of it. But I learned pretty quick that, no, the soil has to be made right. And then this lot that we got, we had to take this lot and we had to go to work on the soil. And as we took a tiller and started digging up this ground, 
I was amazed at what we found. We found jewelry, batteries, um, bottles, cans. I mean, you're going to think I'm lying here, but I'm not. We found a MacBook Pro. <laughs> we found a MacBook Pro buried in this thing. And I prayed to God as I plugged it up that it would work. Please let it work. Please let it work. But no, it didn't. It didn't work. But, I mean, all kind of junk we found in this lot as we began to flip the soil over. And one of the things God began to show me is that, David, just like we had to turn this soil over, and I'm trying to do that in the lives of you and believers. Because what happens is junk gets in our lives. Now, when we first come to the Lord, we understand, man, God does some major stuff in our lives as we come into the awakening of who he is and and walking in a relationship with him. But I'm going to tell you something. As you get a little older and you walk with the Lord a while, things have a way of settling in your soil. You end up picking up some stuff that you've just kind of resigned that's going to be there. And as, as, as crazy as it was for me to say we found a MacBook Pro in the soil, sometimes I wonder if God says, you know what, it's some crazier stuff in that in, in our soil that shouldn't be there and it's crazy that it's there, but yet it is because we've not allowed God to continuously, man, deal with our lives and make this soil right. And the first part of that is he's got to take out junk that don't belong there. And that means I have to continually be in a worship posture to say, Lord, do what you will with me. Lord, have your way with me. I give myself to you over and over again so you can do what you will. Because he wants that kind of access in our homes, in our lives. It starts with us. If we're going to worship him effectively, man, it starts with a a posture of surrender. And when we surrender, then God says, okay, let me come in here and see what needs to be dealt with here. Let me start flipping some of this soil over and revealing what needs to stay and what needs to go. Because that's the other thing we realized as we were taking stuff out of this soil, man, I got to add some stuff to this soil to make it do what I want it to do. And just like that, God does the same thing with us. He's going to take some stuff out but he's also going to add some things as we stay in a posture of surrender. And this is challenging because sometimes it hurts. It hurts. It hurts sometimes because it ain't what I want to do. It's not my plan. Sometimes it hurts because I can't believe that was in me. God, I can't believe that was me. But we stay in a posture of surrender because we want God to do what he, what he wants to do in our lives. We, we sang about it this morning. The resurrected king is resurrecting me over and over again as we stay in a place of worship in our personal lives, in our homes. There should be an ongoing, and I don't care if you've been walking with the Lord one day or one million days. You better believe if you're walking with him and you're in a posture of worship, oh, there's going to always be some, some tinkering of the soil. Because you and, you and I left to our own devices. 
Oh, we'll pick up some junk now. We'll pick up some mess. Some stuff will get stuck in there that don't belong there. And you can bet this. Any new work God wants to begin, he's probably going to start with you first. So we get fired up about, man, something we want to do for God or work we're going to do for God. I'm all excited about this thing. But the first thing I realized, even when God called me to the context that he did, we're going in this urban communities. We're going to change the world. We're going to change these people. And God said, how about I start changing you first? What? God, I'm here for the people. God says, I know you're here for the people, but I'm here for you. Because anything God's going to use you to do, he's going to deal with you first. Because you can't take somebody someplace you've never been. And for many believers, we wonder why we're stuck sometimes. Because God says, I'm trying to deal with you so that I can use you. You won't let me deal with you, so how can I use you? It takes a surrendered heart of worship to him. Now, I want to tell you something, but only if you promise not to judge me. <laughs> that I have your word. It won't come back to haunt me. All right. Well, let me tell you how God did this with me. Uh, I told you we, we have an 11-year-old church plant in an inner city, predominantly African-American neighborhood. When we planted this church, um, it was a, just a small group of us, and we had a couple of whites who were a part of that, who were excited about the same thing we were doing. And so as we began to plant this church, uh, uh, you know, something began to happen. Uh, more whites started coming. And then as we kept going, more whites started coming. And before I knew it, it was a lot of whites coming to the church. Now, that's cool, but I was thinking, Lord, but that's not the vision that I had for this. I'm supposed to be reaching African-Americans. I, that's what I'm here for, Lord. We didn't advertise. I don't know where everybody's coming from. I don't know how this is happening. And I really got to the point where I started thinking like, man, maybe I did something wrong. God, we may have to shut this thing down and start over. <laughs> I'm like, that's, I, that's not what I'm, I'm like, I'm supposed to be reaching black people. God, what's the deal? And, uh, and then God told me, you'll do no such thing. In fact, what you're going to do is sit down and let me do what I want to do with my church. Because this belongs to me, Mr. So. And so uh, I said, yes, 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 sir. And let me tell you something. It was one of the best things that could have ever happened to our congregation. The fact that we are a blended congregation in the context that we are. So many things have been able to happen because of that. But it wouldn't have happened if it was left solely to Pastor Hill. Because Pastor Hill still has some junk in his soil. See, sometimes God is working stuff. He's working it out as he's working you through what you're doing. And we got to recognize when something is not him and surrender. And because of that, man, I, do you know, you, you don't know this, but we're in the same neighborhood that George Floyd is from, grew up in. My wife went to high school with him. I coached his uh, brother, um, so knew him, uh, and he's in our, from our neighborhood. Well, when that whole thing went off, everybody's world flipped upside down. People were calling me, man, how's this affecting y'all? What are you doing? How are you dealing with it? We're doing what we've always done, not doing anything different, because God had allowed us to walk through some things because of what he had did early on that I couldn't see. 
And now here we are in a position to minister and help others because of what God decided to do, which didn't make sense to me. See, sometimes he sees what you can't see. He's got plans that you don't have. But because we won't surrender, but because we're not in a posture of worship, because it doesn't fit our plan, he can't do it. Or he can't do it how he chooses to initially. And so I say that to say the soil is so important. The soil of your life, that's what this is. That's where we start. When we, when we started that community garden, we had to get the dirt right. When God wants to start with us, the dirt's got to be right. And I hate to tell you this, but you're all dirt. We're all dirt. That's all we really are. And we're trying to make this dirt usable for his purpose. Amen? So we start with soil. God has to take some things out. He's got to add some things in. But once you get that dirt right, once you get the soil right, now you get to put some plants in there. You get to put some seeds in there. And that's where our next passage comes in. We read it this morning, but let me read it again to you. How Psalms 128, 3, 1 through 4, how joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. This is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. One of my favorite passages, if not my favorite. He talks about three things here. Your, your, you will enjoy the fruit of your labor, your work, what you put your hands to, whatever your job is, whatever you feel called to do or you are in the line of doing, that is part of your worship. That is part of your work to the Lord. You are called to do that it's one of the plants in your garden. It's rooted in your soil. It should be done unto the Lord. It shouldn't look like everybody else's. It ought to look like a heart of worship to God, whatever he's called you to do. I want you to, use, I want you to stay in this fr- uh, mind frame with me as if you've got a garden bed. And the, and the plants in your garden bed, one of them is the work that you do. What does that look like? Does it look like worship to the Lord? Is it done in a way that's pleasing to him? Or does it look like everybody else? I'm getting over where I can. I'm cheating where I can. I'm stealing where I can. Or is it done in a way that says, I honor God with this. It's part of my worship experience to him. Because it's rooted in the soil of my life. He goes on to talk about how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine within, uh, flourishing within your home. To the men, I say this. Is your wife flourishing because of the soil that is you, of your life? Is she flourishing? Is she blessed? I can spend a few minutes when I meet men, young men or men in general, I'm sizing them up. I don't need to look at them as much as I can look at their wife. That's going to tell me most of what I need to know. If she's not flourishing, I'm looking at something's wrong here with you. Because that is part of your responsibility. The Bible says, man, your wife will be like a fruitful vine. 
if your soil is right? Is she able to do it? Is she feel confident about who she is and the things that she does because the soil in the home is good? Or is she fretful of how critical you are when you're around? Does she dread certain situations because she know, I know how he is? Or is she a, a wonderful flower? When people see her, they're like, man, that woman is just blooming. The soil must be right in that home. Man, that's part of our challenge. And he says, not only about your wife, he says your children are like vigorous young olive trees that sit around your table. What are the children like because of the soil in the home? Well, does everybody run to the four corners when you come through the door? Don't want to catch him on the wrong. Don't want to be in his way. I don't want to get talked too bad like that. All of us. It's a challenge because worship has to start right in our own homes. You know, we read that passage all the time that says, love your neighbor like you love yourself. Well, guess who the closest neighbor you have? Come on now, the one you wake up to every day. The little munchkins that live down the hallway from you. Before you see anybody else outside, you, you see them first. Those are the closest neighbors you got, yet those some of the hardest relationships we have. I'm telling you because I know. I've had teenagers almost at the same time, four teenagers. I didn't know if I was coming or going. You know, I just want to take my wife and say, man, forget y'all. We're going to start over somewhere. <laughs> They'll make you feel like that sometimes. But we're called. You know, God said, no, you can't, David. This is your garden. I'm like, well, God, give me a new garden then. <laughs> I said, this is your garden. You got, you're responsible for the soil here. You've got to make, you've got to dig in and you've got to produce what you want to see. And we've got to include him in that process. He's, a, he's the biggest part of it. Your children are like, you know, vigorous young olive trees that sit around the table. This is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. A couple of points that I learned from this. Don't make your work your mistress. And I'm going to tell you something. Preachers and pastors got to hear this, need this the most. We can get so caught up in the work that we are doing and it is a good work. Or you may be really into what God has created you to do, your job, your career. That they live off the extras and the leftovers at home. I give myself fully to what I'm called to do or what I love doing. But when I get home, y'all just get the fumes. Whether that's the husband or the wife. If we're going to foster a good worship experience and environment at home, that's not, a good, that's not a good representation to my family, to my children about what, what I should be at home. They need to have all of me. They need to have a full invested me. You know, a few years ago, my wife, we were in our room. My wife was in the closet 
going through her many blessings there. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that. Uh, she was enjoying herself in there. And she says to me uh, from the closet, David, you know, we really need to take a trip with the family. You know, we need to do something with the kids. You probably need to go somewhere. You know, just have a vacation or something. And I said, before she got the last words out of my mouth, and listen, I don't know if we're going to have time for that. Um, I'm working on this, and we got this coming up. And, uh, boy, we certainly don't have the money for it. I just don't think we're going to be able to do that. You know, we're not going to be able to do that this year. And she emerged from the closet, and I knew it was trouble. I knew, I had, I knew, I, I knew it, it was going to be bad. And, and, and this is, let me tell you, my wife loves me, respects me, and honors me in every way, in every way. But this is one of the few times that she said, she challenged me. And she said, you got time for everybody else. And you got time for everything else. But you can't do nothing with us. You're out working with everybody else's children. You're working with everybody else's family. But you can't do nothing with us. And it hurt because it was some soil being turned over. And it was, I was wrong. I realized in that moment, I failed. I've not been taking care of my garden well. Because as much as what I'm called to do, this is my first responsibility. This is my first act of worship. This is what I'm going to be graded on first. This is, my, this is what I lift up to the Lord first. And here I am, I'm running around everything else, letting my own garden bed go, weeds and everything else growing up in it. I'm so grateful that she challenged me that day because I was missing out on so much, making the excuse of, well, I'm doing good stuff. I'm out here working for the Lord. But I, I mean, I, I, I shudder to think that if she hadn't done that, and I think about the times we've had together since then of going away and spending time with one another, that may have not even, it may have never happened. And believe me, those moments of time away, vacation or time we spent, that was as much of an act of worship as me coming in here lifting up my hands to them. Because we got daddy here and he's created the time to spend with us. You know, I grew up in an era where the men in my family, they didn't give out a lot of compliments. And if they did give you a compliment, you better know you did something good. Because they, they, they didn't give out that stuff like candy. And there's a place for that. But you know the other thing I realized? There is a place for speaking into young people what you want them to be. And so many times we, we don't realize that that's part of our responsibility is to see in them and speak it to them. And so you gather them around and speak to them. Man, this is what God is saying and doing. This is what I, I see God doing in you. And this is part of my other point of you don't want to plant spiritual orphans. You don't want to go to church all your life. You don't want to be in ministry all your life and your kids grow up and don't know the Lord. Because we were around it, but he, we never experienced it in our home. Mommy and daddy never looked at us and said, I see great things in you. 
I see great potential in you. I see God going to do something amazing in you. I see a gift in you. It's one of the things that I love about my office as a father and as I've gotten older. One of the things that's not good is I can't get out on a basketball court anymore. I'm not the young man I used to be. But what I do get now is a little bit more authority that when I look at them and tell them something, tears begin to come down their face because daddy sees something. And sometimes it's not even my own, but young men and women that I experience see on the street. But I'm saying we've got to see that as a part of our worship at home. I don't want my kids just to grow up in church. I want them to experience worship in our home. I want them to feel the presence of God because they felt it in our home first, and then they bring it to church with them. And all, all society is is a story of our families written large. That's all society is. If you see breakdowns in society, could you see breakdowns happening at the home level? And we've not done that enough. So don't plant spiritual or orphans. Don't make your work your mistress. Or as we say in our neighborhood, a side piece. If you don't know what that means, Google it up, you'll see it. It's a whole urban thing there. And, and the one thing we all got to learn is this. We all have to balance family and, 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 and our responsibilities in the kingdom. I have responsibilities in the kingdom. I have responsibilities in my household. Two households I'm responsible for. The household of God and my household. And I can't let my household fall because I'm doing all this great work for God. And I can't let the kingdom of God fall because I'm doing all this great time with my family. I'm called to hold them both in balance. And I do that by inviting God and creating a worshipful atmosphere where the soil is good because God's dealing with me and working it out in my life and the plants, my work, my family, my wife, my children, they're all planted in that. And I'm leading by example to the best of my abilities. Now, let me tell you something. I have fallen short in every one of these areas. And I'm sure many of you can say the same thing. But that's why like a good farmer, we get up every day and tend, to the, and tend to the garden. Because when I get out there, I realize, when I start looking at my garden, I realize, oh, I haven't been spending enough time with the wife. I can see her countenance is not good. Let me tend to that flower, to that plant. The kids are not doing well. I need to tend to that plant. Let me put some nutrients around that plant so that they can thrive. We've got to be good attendants to that. So plants are the other big point. Most of you know this. Once you get your soil right, once you've got your plants in there, you got to have water. If you don't have water, nothing's growing. John 7, 38 says, says this, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the Scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. We've got to ask God to continually wash us with his spirit, wash ourselves in the word. And here's what I learned about watering my plants in the, in the garden that we had. When you go to the feed store, you go to the little garden store, they give you the little water buckets with a little nice little cute little spout. And you go around from plant to plant watering. But I've learned that that's not the best way to do it. 
Because if you only water on the surface, roots will stay close to the surface, and thus they won't be strong, and you won't get the kind of harvest you want. But if you get you one of those soakers, and you soak that bed, and you let that water go all the way deep, then the roots will go deep. Thus, you will have a more, a more abundant harvest. Because deeper roots mean stronger plant and a more abundant harvest. I think y'all know where I'm going with this. See, if you let your roots run deep in him by washing yourselves, washing your family in the word, washing your family in worship, and allowing your roots to grow deep, your harvest will be abundant. Your children, your wife, your work, your husband, you will see an abundant harvest because of the kind of worship that happens in your home. There's another thing I learned about water. Every, I can plug up that hose and soak those beds. But boy, something magical happens when it rains. The water from the sky is different than the water from the ground. When it rains, I learned that I didn't know this going into this. I learned, man, when it, I found out when it rained, I couldn't hardly sleep at night. Because I couldn't wait to get up in the morning and see, man, how my stuff got supercharged. It was amazing to me over and over again. God, how does that happen? This plant was this size yesterday and now it's like this. I know. Y'all know this stuff. This was new to me. But it's because, God, David, what comes from me is greater than what comes from man. What comes from me is greater than what you can find anywhere else. And we've got to learn that, man. We've got problems in our families. We've got think, difficult things to overcome. But God wants us to know, if you include me in the process, oh, I can overcome all that. Yeah, you and your children at odds. There's things going on. You've been struggling for years. Oh, let me, let, let, let me wash some of my water on that. Let me put some living water on that. I can heal what you think can't be healed. You and your wife are struggling. Let me wash over you. I can heal that. But it takes you abiding in me, worshiping in me, letting me have free reign in your home, surrendering to me. I'll make that what you never thought it could be because what comes from me is greater than anything else you're going to find from man. So I encourage you this morning, is your family being washed in the Word? Is your family being bathed in an atmosphere of worship at your home? Or are there two different rules, what we do at home and what we do at church? How we live at home and how we live at church. God says, no, I want, to be, I want you to surround me in every part of your life. And watch me supercharge your work your wife, your husband, your children, you watch and see how I grow the plants that are watered by me. My last point is this. Once we got all that in place, man, we got our garden beds, we got our soil right, we got our plants in there, and we got them watered. I realized, man, we're going to have to build a fence around this. Because here's one thing I learned. Man, those four-legged, those four-legged critters, man, they'll come and get you stuff. They, 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 they like organic food, too. And in, and in my neighborhood, the two-legged critters will get you, too. 
I've had to chase off them more. I've chased off many of those as I did the four-legged guy, four-legged ones. Because I learned this, nobody wants to be around when you're putting seeds in the ground, but boy, they love coming around when, they, when it's growing up, don't they? So we, have, man, we realize, man, we got to put a fence around this thing. And you build a fence to protect your plants. Because here's the thing, Jesus wants to be the fence around our lives. Because he can see what you can't always see. You know, I'm grateful to live in a country that has the Second Amendment. I'm grateful to be able to protect myself and my family. But here's what I learned. The protection you get from God is greater than anything you can hold in your hand. And ultimately, I'm going to do all I can to protect my family, but ultimately, my full protection and trust is in him. There's a song that we like to sing in the black church called, Jesus be a fence all around me every day. Jesus, I'm asking you to protect me as I travel along the way. I know you can, Lord. I know you will, Lord. Fight my battles if I just keep still. Lord, be a fence all around me every day. Listen, when you look at the garden bed of your life, of your family, and you ask Jesus to be a fence all around you, all of us have to get to a place where we have to recognize, I can't protect my children from everything. I can't be every place all the time for every situation with my spouse. Ultimately, Lord, I need you to be the, the protector and the provider. You know, in Job 1.10, it says, Satan says to the Lord, you have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. When Satan was trying to petition God, let me get at him. God, well, he, God, in fact, no, God told him, look at my servant, Job. He's a faithful servant. And Satan says, yeah, because you protected him. I can't get to him because you got him surrounded. What a, don't you want, I want, I want Satan to be able to say that about me and my garden. I sure would like to get at him, Lord, but you got him protected. Because you built a fence around him and his garden. I'm encouraging. We need to invite God to do that by putting our full faith and trust in him. Lord, build a fence around me and my family. You know, one of the things that I struggled with the most in ministry early on, being called to an urban context, was I knew it was going to be tough and I knew it was going to be dangerous at times. You know, now my wife, she signed up for it when she married me. She said yes to the preacher. She knew what I was all about. She could have backed out at the altar. But if I'm right, you told the preacher, he's just too good looking. I can't leave this man. That's not, that's not what you said. Seems like I remember you saying that at the altar. She was like, I don't care where he goes. I got to go with this man. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But this, she married me, so we, we're in this together. But one of the things that I struggled with the most was, but God, these kids did not sign up for this. They didn't sign up to listen to gunshots in the neighborhood. They didn't sign up not being able to walk down the street without being solicited by Johns. They didn't sign up for harassment from law enforcement. 
because he looked suspicious. They didn't sign up for this guy. I don't mind because I made the commitment. I'll sleep in the alley and eat out the dumpster if that's what it requires for me to do what you call me to do. God, but my kids, Lord, I don't want them to have to go through that. And, and, and God met me one day in my time of prayer. He said, David, I want to give you some key information. Son, they're not your kids. They're mine. He said, you're their earthly father. If you care about them like that, how much do you think I care about them? What makes you think I would put them in harm's way if you don't want to put them in harm's way? Trust me, David, and do what I've called you to do. I'll put the protection around you. We got to surrender to him. We do all we can to be responsible. Don't get me wrong. We we be responsible. We do what's in our control. But ultimately, God, I need you to protect this family. I need you to protect us in this. And when we do that, that's an act of worship to him. That says, I trust you, God. I'm not going to worry every night and day. I'm going to trust you. And I want to tell you something. God has been faithful. Doesn't mean you don't go through things, and it doesn't mean things won't happen. But even when they do, I know, Lord, you're here with us. You're walking with us through this. John 10, 27 through 28 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Jesus speaking to the crowd. Our hope and trust has to be in this. Lord, no matter what you call me to, how you call me to it, I I surrender my life and I want to build a home and a place of worship where you are invited at all times in my family. And all our trust is in you and we know nothing can snatch us from your hand. If you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear that. As you build your garden, as you invite the Lord to work in your life and turn over the soil and add and take whatever he so desires, he deems worthy. As you look at the plants in your life, whether it's one or three or four, whatever they may be, as you wash yourself in the word and wash yourself in worship, in his living water, and as you ask him to be a protector, just know that he's with you. And he's a God who cares about you. And you don't have to fret. You can trust in him. My prayer is that an abundant harvest, many harvests would come as you fear him and walk humbly before him. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for this time, Lord. And Father, I want to start by praying for those who may have said this. Pastor David, you don't understand. My kids are grown. My plants have been gone for many years. And I wish I had known some of this. or I wish I had practiced some of these things. I want to start off by telling you God is a redeemer. There's nothing, out of, there's nothing out of his reach that he can't restore and redeem. 
So in any of this, what you may have heard, it's never too late. It's never impossible. You're never too far down the road that God can't do what he wants to do with a surrendered heart. So I encourage you this morning, wherever you may be in this process, start right now by asking God to cultivate the soil of your heart. Allow him to do what he desires, to remove and add what he chooses as you lift and surrender in a posture of worship. And invite him into your home, into your wife, into your husband, into your children. Begin to cultivate that atmosphere of worship and honoring one another and loving one another. That your, your home becomes a, a place of worship and a temple all in of itself. So much so that everybody can't wait to be home and be surrounded by one another. As you wash you and your family with the living water of Jesus and his word. And as you do that, you ask him, Jesus, be a fence. Be a fence all around us every day. Protect us as we travel along the way. Lord, I'm depending on you to be our ultimate source of protection. Thank you for every heart. Pray for every husband, wife, child, single, male, female, mother, father. Watch over your people. But Lord, let us produce an abundant harvest because we've been washed by you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You know, I would be remiss if I didn't take just a moment and tell you my truth. Coming away from the staff leadership retreat and that message, I had some things that I didn't realize were hard spots in the soil of my heart. And I prayed that prayer and asked the Holy Spirit to begin to till these spaces in my life. And as that began to take place, he began to unearth some things that I didn't realize were there. Things that I thought I had dealt with, things that I didn't realize even existed. There was a season where I was wrecked in that message, just a, a season of my life where I was thinking back where, like Pastor David mentioned, I would come home and my wife and my children reluctantly would engage me at times because they were afraid of being in my crosshairs in light of whatever was going on. And that was just an example of things that began to, to come up as the Holy Spirit began to turn over the soil of my soul. And so I did what I want to encourage many of you to do here. When I got home, I made an appointment with a friend of mine who's a counselor. And I sat down and I just began to express, to begin to put words to these emotions that I was feeling and thoughts and ideas and experiences in my life and began to process through these things so that I could work through them so that I then could be intentional about what I placed in the soil of my soul to, to grow the way that God has designed me to grow. And it's been incredible, the impact. 
here at Reach Church, we talk often about doing life and ministry together. And it's not cliche. It's not something that we have to put on a billboard or that I instruct our staff or elders to say. It's something that we believe at our very core. Two things I want to offer this morning for anyone, anyone that is struggling with this message today and what the Lord has done through Pastor David. The first is at Reach Church, we have a ministry called Stephen Ministry. We have many, many Stephen ministers that are trained and educated, qualified and experienced. And what they do is they don't fix our problems, but they come alongside of us to offer prayer and encouragement and support and to walk through these hardships of life together. They're they're battle buddies, if you will. They're they're people that will help you face these trials together. Two years ago, I spent a year with a Stephen minister that I got to do this with, and it was tremendous for me. And the second thing we have here at Reach Church and beyond is we have upper room counseling. Right to my immediate right, your left, through these double doors, upperroomcounseling.org. We've got three amazing, amazing counselors that would love to sit with you and walk through some of the, the baggage that comes inherently with a message like this, emotional, relational, physical, financial, spiritual We want to walk with you through this as well. And I want to pray with you as we get ready to continue to worship and close out our time together. Father, I want to thank you for Pastor David and for Melissa, for their children, for their ministry. Thank you for the message, the ministry of the word. Thank you for how you moved, not only at the 9 o'clock hour, but here at the 11 o'clock again. God, I pray that as it continues to resonate within us, that you would empower us with a strength to begin by being honest with ourselves. And beyond that, Lord, that we would take another step toward being healthy and whole, whether that be reaching out and asking for a Stephen minister or going to see a, a counselor, whatever that is, Lord, one of our pastors. May we each individually and collectively hold tightly to what Pastor David finished his time with us, that you are a God of reconciliation and restoration. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would empower us and embolden us, stir up a fire within us to do the hard work so that we can be made all the more ready to worship in our own lives and then collectively as a body of believers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.